Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we're looking to the sky to explore the cosmos in a whole new way. Ooh, we're sending alpacas this time. Alpacastronauts. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're going to find out how we can stargaze by sound and learn how one computer scientist is looking to open up the universe for everyone. Neptune. Aquarius. Saturn. Magnifying. What are we listening to, and what's that robot voice? Can you tell? We're flying into Saturn. Into Saturn? I don't want to fly into Saturn. We'll get crushed. Oh, no. (laughs) Marshall, calm down. This is a safe way to explore our solar systems. Oh, you know, yeah. I just noticed that we're not literally in a spaceship right now. (laughs) We are, in fact, in our studio (laughs) just recording. How could I miss that? (laughs) Uranus. Venus. Magnifying. What we're hearing is Astrios, an astronomy app that's designed to be navigated completely by sound. And it was created by this computer engineer. My name is Yuma Antoine Decaux, but you can call me Yuma, like Yuma, Arizona. Oh, so he's like a, like a Wild West guy. <laughs> Yuma doesn't live in Arizona. He's actually on the other side of the world in Australia. But he's definitely on the frontier of astronomy. I try to understand the stars by listening to them and touching them. So I'm going to assume he's not literally talking about touching the stars because that would be difficult for lots of reasons. (laughs) No, and I don't have a a branch to extend my my arm up to the star yet. (laughs) Yuma brings the stars down to Earth and into our hands through technology. How does he do that? Well, the first step of answering that question is to find out why he does that. And it begins on a starry night where Yuma grew up in southern France. Well, I was six years old, actually, and my parents in France gave me a a telescope with some science books and like a book on the solar system. Yuma's new book described how he could find Saturn and its rings through the telescope. So one starry night, he decided to try and see for himself. He set his alarm for 3 a.m. So I woke up, you know, around three o'clock and I looked at the sky, you know, I was very sleepy and everything. But then the illumination and the brightness of the strip of stars across the sky was, was, that's something I would really recommend everybody to do. Already amazed by the Milky Way, Yuma began searching for Saturn with help from the book. Peering through his telescope, he found it. It was just a bright orangish dot. Uh, in darkness and I was zooming in with the telescope and I was changing the focus so I can get as much clarity as possible. As Yuma focused in, he watched the orangish dot transform into something he'll never forget. It kind of turned into this dot but with something that sort of striked across it diagonally. He realized he was looking at Saturn's rings right there in front of him. Wow, so he's just six years old, and he's already woken up in the middle of the night and found Saturn on his own. Yeah, what he saw through the telescope that night stuck with him. The image of Saturn just stayed with me even in the dark. I just kept thinking about it, 
and I kept wondering what kind of worlds would be there and what it would be like. Yuma had the feeling that Earth was not alone. All those planets were out there with us. It's almost comforting. It's, it's an amazing feeling. I mean, yeah, I think the more you learn about the universe, the more kind of amazing it is that we're here. Yeah, and Yuma's imagination got charged up thinking about space. It was the idea of exploring those worlds close up that grabbed him first. He got into science fiction. As many of us do. The whole sci-fi world to me was fascinating. That's kind of an extension of me being introduced to the stars. I used to create spaceships and full worlds. Yuma would draw spaceships and alien planets on paper, then translate his ideas onto the computer. And then I was designing all of that in 3D. Wow. Yuma sounds like a pretty impressive person, I gotta say. (laughs) Yeah, he is. And for Yuma, computers became a creative outlet for his space explorations. He loved building out of his imagination and curiosity. I was into, you know, a lot of, I guess, animation and architecture, a lot of visual things. But that changed when he lost his sight. And if we went forward to, like, recently, let's say 13 years ago when I lost my sight, it's almost like, you know, taking the ability of a pianist to play again. Yeah, that's kind of like the story of Beethoven who lost his hearing. But uh, let me make sure I understand what happened. So Yuma was really inspired by seeing the stars to design, like, these crazy sci-fi worlds in his computer. And then suddenly he just can't see anymore? That's right. So what does he do next? We'll find out how he changes course after this short break. And we're back. So when we left off, Yuma had been creating completely visual sci-fi worlds. But now he couldn't see or create them. He had to figure out what to do. When I lost my sight, I had to kind of try to transfer the ability for me to visualize things without seeing. Yuma knew that even though he didn't have his vision anymore... He still had his skills, his knowledge, and his creativity. He thought back to a sci-fi movie he had watched called Contact. It's about an astronomer who uses radio signals to listen for sounds from aliens. The really interesting scene in it is when she kind of falls asleep in her observatory and she's got her headphones on and then all of a sudden there's a signal that starts. And then she listens to it and there's this big form of excitement because there's finally a signal coming from, you know, outer space. So the astronomer hears the signal from the aliens. She doesn't see them. Right. And that made Yuma realize something important about astronomy. We can see the stars, but the study of them, astronomy, really isn't about seeing. It's about data that's collected from signals picked up by telescopes. Everything is signals. And, well, can signals be represented in other ways than visually? Yes. And one of them is sound. Here's an example. So what are we hearing here? It's the sound of a star. The signals coming from it have been converted into sound that we can hear. And we're hearing the star over time. Oh, so, so besides like being kind of like rumbly, what does this sound tell us about the star? 
it's just basically a perfectly well-oiled, perfectly working machine with nothing happening to it. So it's a boring star in some ways. <laughs> if something was happening to the star, you'll hear some change in the sound instead of that steady rumble. Compare that to this star. That's not, like, I guess it sounds kind of like it's going like up or down, like wall, 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 like something like that. Yuma calls the down parts of that wah, wah sound a dip. And it means that something else is blocking the telescope from picking up the light from the star. In other words, something is passing in front of it. And so that's why you hear this dip kind of occurring. Huh, so what passes in front of a star, like like a spaceship or a big rock or... It's a planet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the sound is representing the light from the star changing because a planet is in front of it. Here's a way to think about it visually. If you visualize, uh, let's say, a lighthouse a kilometer away and uh, at night, and it's flashing its light to you, it's not moving, it's just flashing its light to you, right? And there's a mosquito that is passing in front of it. You wouldn't be able to see the mosquito. There's no way. <laughs> it's too small. Yeah, you're, you're not going to see a mosquito from even like 10 feet away, let alone further than that. <laughs> this is the advantage of sound. You can hear what you can't see. So if a mosquito passed through and then you transform that into a sound, the sound is able to pick that up better than a visual graph. Oh, well, that's neat. So like you can hear a small change in the signal better than you could see it. Exactly. And if you were looking at charts and graphs of these exoplanet signals, it would take a good amount of time and expertise to figure out what was happening. Plus, our ears are just faster than our eyes. You get a faster reaction from sound than from visuals. What does that mean? Research shows that our eyes are much slower at processing information with our brains compared to our sense of sound. Huh. That makes sense because it can take a while to make sense of what we're seeing sometimes because sometimes things look confusing. You're like, is that a mushroom or <laughs> is that somebody? <laughs> is that a mushroom I can eat or is it a bear that's attacking me? Can't tell. <laughs> Plus, our ears are finely tuned for detection. Our ear is able to pick up an incredible amount of detail in sounds. Yeah, if you're getting good at paying attention to what you're hearing, you can really notice a lot of details. Totally. So once Yuma realized that astronomy could be studied through sound, he also started thinking about how he could still experience stargazing, like he did when he was a kid with a telescope. And the answer came through a conversation with a friend. We were in the garage and there was a solar eclipse that was about to happen. And Yuma and his friend Jake are both engineers. They often hung out in a garage coming up with new ideas and inventions. And they started talking about how Yuma might see the eclipse. Yeah, we sort of posed the question like, how can we know where the sun is? And you know, how, is there a way we could sort of touch that eclipse happening where the moon is, is passing through the sun in front of us and it kind of darkens the sky and everything? 
touch the eclipse. Like, you know, you have to wear those special glasses to look at it. So I feel like touching would be even more dangerous. <laughs> what, but what does he mean by that? Well, he realized that smartphones have the technology to both find the position of the sun and then vibrate in response to different signals. So it literally feels like you're touching the stars without, like, the bajillion degree heat. (laughs) Yes. But as Yuma developed his idea, he soon decided to go beyond Earth and the eclipse, deeper into space. And I had to expand into the solar system. How many objects are there in the solar system? Then the solar system wasn't enough, and I went to see, well, what are the stars we have? And then there's, like, hundreds of thousands of stars which are in constellations. So Yuma and his friend built a way for blind people and everyone else to navigate through their hands and ears, gazing at constellations. Let's let Yuma take us through it. Cygnus. We're actually in 3D in the middle of the constellation. And the chimes are basically, they tell you what category of star is in the that constellation. Geostationary, Albareo. You can sort of orbit around the constellation and hear the different stars as they pass through you and around you. And the phone has a big vibration for large stars and smaller vibrations for small stars. But like the all-around vibes are good. <laughs> the vibes are good. <laughs> <laughs> But even that was not enough for Yuma. He wanted to go deeper into space, beyond the stars and constellations. He received an award to keep developing his app into deep space. They gave me the opportunity to speak to a lot of experts in astrophysics and engineering across the planet. He learned about black holes, dark energy, and ways of sonifying or using sound to study astronomy. That made me understand that I had way more stuff that I needed to learn, and so I had to go back to the drawing board multiple times. So wait, he had to start over? Yeah, like he did with his 3D sci-fi worlds. Yuma was continually imagining how new things could be possible. He had so many ideas. And one of them was also to really make something possible to understand, not just to stargaze and to say, this is pretty, this is nice, this sounds good but to also be able to do something about it. What does he mean by do something about it? He means to actually be able to study astronomy through sound for everyone. People across the planet who like the stars, who want to know more about the stars, to allow them to know the stars, but then to also potentially discover new things up there in the sky. So what types of things would you be able to discover without even going to an observatory? Well, astronomy is really about data, and that data can go into the computer in the form of sound. So just like you would be looking at images from a telescope, anyone who knows what they're listening for can try to discover something new. Like what? Well, someone wandering through the stars could hear what we heard before. could be the first to discover a planet through sound. So anyone could discover a planet? Yeah. Yuma's goal is to show that anyone can have a role in exploring the universe and make the universe available for everybody. There's so much data out there. It's so rich. 
that there's just not enough people to understand all of the universe. And so there's a lot of space. So he means that there's space in space. <laughs> yes. Like it's roomy. <laughs> <laughs> there's room for growth. <laughs> and you must prove that you don't have to be an astronomer to play a very important role in discovering space. So as an engineer, being interested in uh, astrophysics and astronomy, for me, it's kind of a toy store because I have all this data that I can play with, that I can understand and I can, you know, kind of create different tools, not just for myself, but for others. I really love the idea of the like astronomy toy store where you can play around and put things together just to see if people can use them. Yeah, me too. And Yuma says that building things has its own process of discovery. It's really, really exciting to know that you're building things that has not been built before. It's not the end, which is the exciting part. It's the journey through it, which is the exciting part. In other words, Yuma's not done building Astrios, even though you can use it now. He's always going to be working to improve it and making it more accessible. Yeah, and what a journey from building worlds that were completely visual to reflecting our entire universe through sound. Yuma credits his ability to do that with his inner motivation. It's the same thing that got him up to see Saturn's rings when he was six. If you guys currently have dreams and aspirations and you're thinking about things that you love, well, they're never going to abandon you because they will always be there with you throughout your life. It's up to you to keep building on them and then to act upon them on the planet. That's a great way to think of it, because, you know, you don't have to hold on to your dreams. They're just always waiting there for you to do something about them. Yeah, and Yuma's story shows us that no matter what you end up going through in your life, you can always make them happen in whatever way that's possible. Now that you've learned how Yuma brought the stars from sight to sound, think about how you could experience constellations with senses other than your sight. You could recreate one of the 88 constellations, or even make up your own. Map out stars using objects with different sizes or textures, or use scented markers or stickers for different smells. Or try using different sounds, like Yuma used chimes. Touch, smell, hear, or even taste the stars with a tasty constellation snack. <laughs> Although that last one would probably be a single-use constellation. Let us know how you make your constellation by emailing us at tumblepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks today to Yuma, the co-founder of Osiris. And special thanks to Jake Dean, the other co-founder of Osiris, for helping. You can learn more about Yuma and his work on the bonus interview episode on our Patreon at patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. And we'll have a link to where you can check out Astrios, along with other free resources, available on the blog, on our website, sciencepodcastforkids.com. This material is based upon work supported by the National Science Foundation under grant number 2148711, Engaging Blind, Visually Impaired, and Sighted Students in STEM with Storytelling Through Podcasts. Special thanks to the team who helped with this episode, Dr. Peter Walters, Dr. Carrie Sapalo, and the team at Independent Science. Also thanks to Dr. Kelly Reidinger and Dr. Martin Storksteek at Oregon State University's STEM Research Center, and Dr. Timothy Spock at AUI. 
Sarah Robertson-Lentz edited the show and designed the episode art. Peter Walters is our editorial consultant for the series. Elliot Hajaj is our production assistant. And Gary Calhoun-James engineered and mixed this episode. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I made all the music and sound design for this episode. Tumble is a production of Tumble Media. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. Thanks so much for listening to that episode, and now that it's over, we've got some birthday shoutouts to give to our supporters on Patreon. First, happy May 14th birthday to Charlie Young, the sweetest and most curious boy around. Mom and Dad love you and Tess to the moon and back. Happy birthday to Alexis Batson, also on May 14th. Happy May 14th birthday to Leland Oak. Mom, Dad, and Ivy love the way you soak up the world around you. Happy May 14th birthday also to Charlie, the future fighter pilot who's happiest when he's going Mach 2 with his hair on fire. Gemma, happy birthday on May 14th too, and it was great chatting with you. Keep exploring. Mom and Dad and Mabel and Kensei, the cat, love you. Joshua, happy May 16th birthday. Stay comfortable being you and keep asking those incredible questions. Rosalie, happy birthday on May 16th. Your mama is so proud of you every day and loves you a lot. Xander, keep asking questions. Mama and Papa love you and happy birthday on May 18th. Chloe, happy birthday on May 20th. Daddy and Mama love you. Adrian, Mama and Papa love you to infinity and happy birthday on May 23rd. Magnolia, your parents are in awe of your creative and kind spirit. It's their greatest joy watching you and your siblings grow. And happy 10th trip around the sun on May 24th. Thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. If you want to get a birthday shout-out of your own like these fine folks, simply support Tumble on Patreon at the $5 level or higher by going to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tumblepodcast.